Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have Lacey Sturm coming on to promote her new album, which is titled Life Screams. Before I bring her on, I'm going to do a nice introduction for her and just wanted to tell everyone a little bit about my show. Uh, my show is predominantly meant to support people. I started it about five years ago and really wanted to bring on entertainers to spread the word and help them get their name out there. I know how challenging the industry is today. Things have changed a lot than it was uh, back in the day, about 10 years ago. You know, when people had different budgets in terms of labels, management, et cetera, and I'm sure Lacey can comment on some of that. So some of the guests that I've had on my show have included Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, Art of Dying, From Ashes to New, Shaman's Harvest, Nonpoint, and otherwise, to name a few. So please support all these artists. I've also had comedians on my show. I've done over 200 interviews at this point, so all of my podcasts are available, and you can download them for free on iTunes or my site. So let's bring Lacey on. Three years after she amicably parted ways with platinum-selling Grammy-nominated Flyleaf, Singer-songwriter Lacey Sturm, as we know, releases her phenomenal full-length debut album, which is titled Life Screams, featuring the hit single Impossible and, of course, Rot, which she currently has a video to. So be sure to check that out, and we're going to take a listen to it tonight. This album, personally, I've been listening to it over and over again. It is packed with powerful and thought-provoking lyrics, music that is catchy and emotionally driven, totally pulling in, you know, Lacey's style of writing. Her stellar voice, her impeccable songwriting has led her album to become the first hard rock female solo artist to top the charts, as noted in the Billboard review. So, but it's not, I think, something that's really intriguing about Lacey. And as all of her, you know, diehard fans know, is it's not just through Lacey's music that you're going to hear how resilient and inspiring she is. But she spreads her message of hope and inspires other in other ways to live life and to love through her works as an author and as well as a speaker. So to sum it up, uh, Lacey is just totally a genuine and authentic person. I did a lot of research on her, and she really is truly a role model to anyone who crosses her path, picks up her album, or reads her book. So tonight we're going to take you on a really great in-depth interview and, uh, you know, take you into her life, some of the challenges and struggles she had. But I think what she really wants to portray is just how she's found herself, gained insight, and really come to know her purpose in life. So without further ado, I want to just thank Ed Bunker from No Problem Marketing for setting up this interview and coordinating it. I've been working with him, and he's a pleasure to work with and just a, a really professional person, and I want to support his company, too. All right, so let's bring Lacey on. Hey, Lacey, how are you? Hey, Carrie, I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for saying all those kind things. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> kind well, it's it's uh, absolutely it's 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 natural who you are as a person, and I think that unconditionally comes through yourself too. So it's it's not something I had to say. It's just it's something that's known. Um, so let's well, do this. Thanks. I um I know I've had you on briefly before, and I was so honored when uh, Ed Bunker had actually reached out to me and offered me another opportunity, because when I interviewed you in the past, it was right around the time you were releasing your album, and you were just, I mean, it was a day that you had press packed to back, 
And uh, I felt so bad because I only had 15 minutes and I had to kind of, you know, move along really quickly. So I'm really excited to do a more in-depth interview with you tonight. Yeah, I'm glad I get to talk again. Cool, cool. Okay, so let's do this. Let's start out again. I want to incorporate some of um, your background growing up so we can get into how you became interested in music. And, of course, we're going to transition into talking a little bit about your book. I know you have another one coming out, so we're going to try to, you know, do the whole gamut tonight. All right? So tell Um, me a little bit about you originally were born in Homestead, Florida, correct? And then you moved to Arlington, Texas? Yes, yeah. I never really lived in Homestead. Um, my mom moved there shortly, moved to Arlington shortly after I was born. Okay, okay. And tell us, you know, how would you describe yourself, you know, reflecting back, you know, as a really little kid, you know, when you're like, if you can remember, you know, five, six, seven years old, you know, how would you describe your personality, some of your interests when you were really young? <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. I was, uh, I was really quiet and uh, probably really introverted. Um, I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that I actually was legally blind until I was 10. I didn't realize that. I guess we didn't realize that I needed glasses <laughs> when I got really? glasses, I think. Really? Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. I don't think a lot of you wow. know about me. No, that's interesting because I, I mean, I did so much research and, you know, I'm going to incorporate a bunch of stuff tonight, but that's one thing, at least in some of the stuff I read, and again, I can't read, there's thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of articles on you, so there's only so much time yeah. in the day, but that's, so tell yeah. us a little bit about I don't think I've ever told that to anybody. Oh, wow, <laughs> I don't okay. think anybody's cool. asked me that question. You, you asked me a really interesting question. I don't think you ever asked yeah. me about my personality as a child, but I think maybe that has to do with it. I I have a really bad sense of direction. I think you're supposed to learn how to pay attention to the world around you when you're younger, and I didn't know how because I couldn't see anything. Um, So so what was it that eventually, I guess, came to fruition that, you know, you learned that this was what was going on? Oh, yeah, well, my teacher noticed, I guess. But um, I guess (laughs) I used to pick up enough. (laughs) I guess I picked up enough that... It wasn't really obvious. I think it just looked like I didn't have a lot of common sense. I was just sort of goofy. <laughs> I think I okay. thought that about myself too. Um, but then when I I uh, I got glasses, I um I realized uh, I realized that a lot of those issues that I got in trouble for were really just I couldn't see very well. <laughs> like wh- oh. why, where did why do you keep losing things? Well, I don't know where it is. I put it down somewhere. Right. Right. Um, anyway. Anyway, um, but yeah, my mom, she was always a musician, and so we always had music around the house, and um, always had music on everywhere. I just, when I think about my childhood, there's always music in the background, and um, and so that that probably shaped me. My mom is just such a artistic person, and um, I loved art too. Um, I loved to, you know, paint and and draw and color. I guess because I could put my face close enough to see it. Okay. And then again, you know. Like, but I, but I had brothers and sisters. My first sister was born when she was five, when I was five, and, um, and then shortly after, a little brother born after that. And um, my mom was a young mom. You know, she was, I think, twenty-one, and she had my okay. sister. And and so I, um, I was always trying to help. You know, always had a motherly instinct since I was little. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, um, so you were you were the oldest. I was the oldest girl. My my brother is actually he we're ten months apart. So we're okay. I'm 
I am uh, we're the same age for a couple months in a year. <laughs> and so um but I was yeah. So we're both uh, 30, 34 right now. <laughs> um and then in November he'll turn 35, but okay. we're the same mom, okay. same dad. We're just really close in age. <laughs> But in a sense, right. you know, I've heard people say, because you're the girl, you really are the oldest. <laughs> you know, because the girls kind Definitely, of Definitely, because it's just more... a different, like you said, different dynamics <laughs> and just a different intuition, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, mean, <laughs> I took care of him. You know, he wouldn't think to feed himself. He's too busy playing video games. So I kind of helped out that way. But, <laughs> but yes, you know, it was, it was a... It was definitely a socialist environment in my home. You know, nothing was your own. He shared everything. <laughs> you know, I wore my brother's hand-me-downs. We didn't have much money. Um, and so uh, we found ways to be creative and have fun outside of just, I guess, you know, we put on plays and wrote poems and riddles and things like that just out of our heads. Nice. So I think it made us a little more creative because we just didn't have a lot of distractions and uh, I don't know. Maybe and, that helped. Well, well, definitely. Like you said, it's definitely you're talking about how this is, you know, shaping you as a person, an artist. You know, where 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 you're going to basically mm-hmm. eventually take your career in life. If you don't mind me asking, what was what did your mom do for a living? I know you said that she was, you know, into music. Mm-hmm. She like mm-hmm. seriously involved in music, or did she do a well, different type of profession? She, she plays acoustic guitar and sings, and she had a. a CD out um, when I was younger for a bit. Um, she went to school, I think, when I was around 11. She started going to the Art Institute of Dallas and studied audio, video technician engineering. And um, nice. so she so she can uh, run sound, and she does that. She does a few different things, but she runs an open mic coffee sh- at a coffee shop at a in Arlington, and she runs sound at a few different places um, in Arlington. And uh, okay, but when I was younger, you know, she's more freelance, and sometimes we had she had income, and most of the time we didn't. <laughs> so it was right, a it was right. And if you don't mind me asking, did you did you know your father? Was your father ever mm-hmm. in the picture growing no. up? Well, no, my father. My father was a he uh he had a drink he had a drinking issue. I talk about this a little bit in the reason. Um, okay. he had a drinking he had a drinking issue where he sort of ended up, you know, having being sort of uh you know, when you drink too much you I guess get my mom being... and him got in fights. Okay. And then he had domestic violence issues whenever my mom was younger and then ended up going to jail when I was a baby and I never met him. And then he passed away when I was 16, which I didn't even know about until I was 21. So, um, so yeah, I never met him. Um, I heard great things about him. I, I met his family a few years ago and they just, I mean, and I, my brother, my older brother stayed in contact with uh, our aunt and just talking about how he was one of the most generous people and so kind. And, Aww. you know, I, I heard that a lot from a lot of people. But, of course, when you drink, you, you know, you change personality. You sure, know, and sure. I think that he's a Native American man. Um, they had a, I mean, it's sort of like sort of something that the whole family sort of dealt with. So, um, 
so I never really saw that side of my family. Um, my mom was, you know, they lived in Kansas, I think. She met him in Florida, and then when he went to jail, she moved with my mom, my grandmother to Arlington. Okay. So, um, so that's why we were there, and we lived there. Well, I, and thank you for sharing that. I know, like you said, you've talked about some of this stuff in your book, The Reason, and I know you're going to be coming out with your next follow-up book, The Mystery. But, um, you know, I appreciate you sharing that and, you know, being able to incorporate, like you said, hearing some really great things about him as being, you know, this generous, yeah. kind, caring person. Yeah, well, you know, I talked to my son about it the other day. He's asking me about it, about my dad. And Aww. I realized when I was telling him, he's five, you know, mm-hmm. and he tells the story to other people, you know. Um, he tells the story of, of his, of my dad, and, it, and he he actually learned, learned something, you know, about how, you know, he has a problem. We talked about it when he, he has a problem, like he doesn't like to stop playing video games. And when he doesn't, it sort of, it sort of makes his heart, like, he he doesn't want to listen to anything. If he's played video games too long, he doesn't want to listen to anybody. He's mm-hmm. his brother. Like, all these bad things happen in a row. Like, they oh. spiral down. Right. <laughs> he has to really watch his time on the video games. And so, but mm-hmm. he's so good at it. And I think he'll probably design them one day. So, I, I feel like he's, he's like, he's brilliant with the video games. But, wow. um, you know, he's only five. And so, I, I try right, to right. monitor his time. And it's just when I was able to talk to him about it and I'd say, you know, you know, some people drink alcohol and it, it's okay. They don't, it doesn't bother their heart. You know, they don't, they don't drink too much and all the time and they can stop. And some people, when they drink, they just can't stop and they drink too much. And then they, they're mean to people around them and they don't listen mm-hmm. and they break rules. And I'm like telling him as a, because this is what he does for this video game. Right, he's right. Like, oh. No, you're trying to, so I think it's a really interesting analogy. I think it's, yeah. So, like, you know, sometimes you got to pay attention when you feel like, you know, you're being mean to your brother and you're not listening to me anymore and you've played too long. You know, there's this Berenstein Bears book we read called Too Much TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, he, and he, like, Aww. he, like, gets it. He totally gets it. So I think it's it's That's interesting awesome. that, you know, we can recognize how all of us have tendencies to abuse the, the good things in our lives if we're not careful. And, um... And so it's okay. Like, I think that, you know, if my dad was here, he'd probably want people to learn from his life, you know. And so mm-hmm. I can still honor honor him in a way that, you know, I think just knowing that he's, he's uh, you know, I believe he's in a better place now. And, uh, and you know, I think I think we can learn, you know, from the way other, our parents' lives turned out so we can do things differently. Definitely, definitely, I agree with you, and I think that's a that's a good way to put things. And it's it's challenging because I think everyone in their lives, like you said, especially with your song "Rot." When we get to that, you know, I I think it's interesting how when you talk about this concept of manipulation, and it's not just mm-hmm. necessarily with people being manipulated in a sexual way or being exploited. You know, it could happen at work. You know, it could happen in a mm-hmm. family dynamic relationship. So I think that's a really important concept that you're bringing through in that song, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, mm-hmm. let's start to pull in a little bit, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, growing up and, and some of the challenges. When, how old were you when you started to struggle with, you know, some mental health symptoms such as depression and, and suicidal mm-hmm. ideation? You know, I think, um, when I was, it was when my, I was 10 years old and, okay. um, I, I had a cousin that was, his mom was a teen mom. She lived with us and 
her little, she was pregnant with him when she was 17, and my mom was pregnant at the same time. And so she moved in with us, and um, the dad was not in the picture for my aunt. And um, and she ended up having the baby, and they stayed with us. And him, the, the baby's name was Calton, and he was best friends with my little brother, Philip, and they pretty much were raised together until he was three. And then my aunt met a man, and they uh, were engaged, and she moved to Houston. They got married, and that uh, beat my cousin to death, my three-year-old cousin. And oh so he gosh. died. He died this violent death, and as a 10-year-old, just having um, just loved this child and hearing my mom always talk to me about God and how he's going to take care of us when we didn't have any money or any place to go, and that's why we mm-hmm. help other people and tell me about God, how he's going he's gonna to help us. And then seeing my cousin die, I was like, well, I thought God was going to take care of us, you know, what happened. Right. <laughs> um, and so... From then on, I quit believing in God, and I guess um, I guess I just started to think we're on our own, and we have to. And I just kept thinking about why is he dead and I'm not. Why did he die and I didn't die? And Almost I started like that to, survivor's guilt, so to speak. You know, having yeah, some of that. Sur- I, yeah, I, I never. Yeah. I never heard of that, but that sounds exactly what it was. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, and I'm not gonna just to, just so you know, Lacey, I'm not gonna be pulling this in much, but I'm actually I'm actually my background is in clinical psychology, so you I know, know I really like to do an interesting interview. So you know I appreciate you yeah. sharing all this stuff, and and maybe that's why joking yeah. around in the beginning you're like, oh, no one's ever asked me that question, and I'm yeah. like, tell me about your personality. But um, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so I'm sorry. So go on. So you were saying that. Well, I was- there was also this commitment in me after uh, he died to stay sad. I remember the moment that I, and I didn't remember it until I started writing my book. And then all of a sudden okay. I recognized, and I remembered the exact moment that I decided I was going to stay sad for him. Like it was like as a loyalty to his death. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be sad. And um, I didn't like people being happy. I didn't like people who were happy. And I as I grew, I was cynical about, um, especially Christians, but anybody who believed in God, anybody who was happy, how can you be happy in a world where children get beaten to death? Like, this was my question. Right. I don't trust you. You're either naive or you're messed up. Um, and so, mm-hmm. so that's kind of my journey of how I started to get, deal with depression. I taught myself to meditate on sad things at night mm-hmm. and, um, write down all the bad things that happened. It was a weird thing. Like, I started doing that at 10 years old. Like, I didn't even realize. I, was, I made a journal of all the bad things that, that people said oh, and that right. happened. <laughs> I don't know what makes – I can't even think about it now. It doesn't, I can't even see why it would make sense. I wish somebody would have found it and been like, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know? I right. Well, I, I think – I think, like you said, I mean, back then, I mean, you were you were so distraught over life. How could God make this happen to this 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 little baby? You know, this little boy. Yeah. And right, so yeah. maybe writing that down was, you know, not only a way of expressing yourself, but like you said, you kind of honed in more on the, you know, the the dysphoric stuff rather than trying to reframe it. Which I think, you know, eventually, once you're, you know, you can pull in your grandma, and the story that happens where, you know, you are literally at your wit's end. And your grandma really comes in and, and helps, in a way, save you. Yes. Oh, I'm so thankful for her. 
she's actually Aww. not doing very well right now. She's sick, and I, and I have just been thinking a lot about how much I appreciate her lately. I'm sorry. Oh, well, keep her in my thoughts. <laughs> okay. You know, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so what, what was like, just, you know, pull a little bit in, then we'll start getting into your music career. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the, the story and the scenario where, again, you're basically thinking of giving up and, and somehow grandma gets involved. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I got in an argument with her the day before, um, I made this plan and we had argued because my grandfather had had a heart attack earlier in that week and he was in the hospital and they were dealing with him there. And I had gotten kicked out of my house in Arlington and moved to Mississippi to live with my grandparents. And so my grandma was getting on to me saying, you know, Lacey, listen, you're breaking our rules here and you're not, a, you're not even following rules at school. You're doing things that are illegal and you're bringing so much stress into this house and now your grandfather's in the hospital with a heart attack. And what she's trying Aww. to tell me is you need to recognize that your actions affect more people than just you. And she was right. trying to tell me, you know, you're thinking only about your own pain. You're not thinking about everybody else around you and you need to wake up and think about the people you're impacting you know this is pretty much what she was trying to tell me and that was um I think that's good advice you know to 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 somebody who's depressed to tell them to think about other people and come become more other focus others focused instead of just self-focused and and um I know I know now that that actually does help me in those times when I you know if I'm depressed I'll just go start baking cookies for my neighbors or something you know what I mean right, something right. Like do something right. nice for someone else really helps me. Um, but in the moment, I was actually looking for an excuse to end my life. And so I twisted her words to mean life would be better without you. And the truth was, okay. you know, th- that was absolutely not true, which I know for sure that's not true because the only reason my grandfather would be stressed that I was doing not doing well is because he loved me. And my suicide mm-hmm. would not make would not make him less stressed in any way, you know, so life right. would not be Definitely. better for him without me in it. So it was just this twisted thought. It was me finding an excuse um, to end my life. And so I finally found this, quote, selfless reason to take my life, that, oh, their life would be better without me in it. And so I um, so I made a plan to, to not – hang on just a second. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I, um saying this plan to um to just go about, you know, ending my life. And um and so that night I went to bed and I thought about it went, went over in my head and the next morning I was gonna go to school and say goodbye to some of my friends in my own way. And I I went um I went to school, ended up um in my first period class, uh having a girl come up to me who was one of the happy people, you know, being being nice, being kind, and she touches my hair, and she says, you have such pretty hair, and it was really long, and um, I just got so angry at her, and all I care about is hair, I thought, you know, all I care about is superficial outside, and I'm dying inside, you know, and and, and so I like grabbed, grabbed the scissors off my teacher's desk and went to the bathroom and cut my hair off, and I realized I couldn't. Oh go. my gosh! Wow. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't stay in school. I was like, 
I got to get out of here. So I just walked home immediately. My grandmother was supposed to go, go, have gone straight to the hospital uh, from dropping me off. Well, when I went home, she actually, I walked in the door and she's there. And um, she's like, what's wrong? Why are you here? You know, like looking at me like you're skipping school. Like why? And then she looks at my hair and right. she's like, what did you do to your hair? <laughs> right. It looks awful. <laughs> like something's really wrong with you. You know, um, you know what? I mean, you know, her punishment for me skipping school, she was said I had to go to church that night because it was Wednesday. And they had church okay. on Wednesday night. <laughs> I was like, okay. Finally, I tell her why I, what I think about church and that I hate, um, I that I hate Christians, that I hate church, I hate that I don't believe in God and all this stuff. And she, she just, she just begins to um, argue with me. And uh, we get in this big argument. And um, and she. And so she, and she, um, she takes you there, right? I mean, that's what eventually happens. Yeah. So she kind of yeah, kind of drags well, you there. So, yeah, right? well, I finally was like, I was finally like, if you just stop screaming at me, I'll go to church. I don't want to spend my last day on earth listening to you yell. Aww. And uh, she, and so I just made a logical decision, which is so weird in the middle of all this, feeling very irrational in a lot of ways. I was like, I don't want to spend my last day listening to you yell. If you just be quiet, I'll go to church. And afterwards, I'll go about my plan, you know. Um, and so I um, I ended up, you know, st- stuck with her the rest of the day. Went to went to church that night, and um, and she parked a van in the front of the doors of the church so that I couldn't leave because if she had come in, she probably would have distracted by talking to people, and I probably would have ran out. Um, but I sat in the back and hated everybody in the room and um, couldn't wait to get out of there. And then the preacher starts talking, and he just pretty much talks like I'm the only person in the room. He pretty much reads my mail. And um, right, right. I was like, I was like, uh, this is weird. i got to get out of here. Um, and then, uh, but I couldn't leave. <laughs> I had to wait till it was over because my grandma was sitting out there. Right. Um, and then he says, uh, he stops what he's talking about and he says there's a suicidal spirit in the room and he's crying and I thought wow this is really freaky <laughs> you know? yeah that's know. really deep and, and he says please come up here and let us pray for you because God has a plan for your life and he doesn't want you to die tonight and so oh uh, so I was like there's no way I'm going up there for all these people <laughs> I was like I'm not going and so I didn't go, and he looked a little awkward. But um, but then they ended up going ahead and praying for people with depression, and um, some other people came up, and they dismissed the service. I went to the back of the church, and there was a man standing at the door that stopped me, and he said, um, I feel like God wants me to speak to you, and he wants you to know that even though you've never known an earthly father, that God will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. Okay. My first thought was, I don't need a dad. And you probably just guessed that I don't have a dad because I have purple hair that's shaved underneath and a Pantera shirt on. You know, I probably have (laughs) dad issues. I don't know. You just guessed. Right. (laughs) Like, um, and he's like, and so I'm just trying to rationalize why he's saying things he can't know. And then he says, God wants you to know he's seen you when he cry yourself to sleep at night. 
And when he said that, it was like an arrow went into my heart because I had done that every night since I was 10. Like, I couldn't sleep unless I cried myself to sleep. And And he said, he said, he told me the gospel. He told me the story of Jesus. He said, you've been rehearsing your pain. There's pain in your heart from your own sins and the sins of other people against you and your family. And he said, but Jesus died on the cross to take the sins of the world on himself. So he carried it for us so we don't have to carry it in our heart. Can I please pray for mm-hmm. you? Jesus, take the pain out of your heart. And I said, okay, you can try You can try it. I'm just going to go die. And I, I was really shocked, you know, that he had said all those things in a row. And I was, like, finally willing, like, this small flicker of, like, willingness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was hope like, and stuff you can try. went off. Yeah. Right. So he begins to pray for me, and he prays that God would wrap his arms around me. And it's exactly what it felt like. Like God wraps his arms around me. And I and I felt I, I had a, a, an encounter with God that I can't, um, I wish I could transfer that to every person I meet. I wish I could transfer that feeling right. of complete, unconditional, holy love, love into someone's right. heart every time. Like, I wish I could do that. And that's Aww. why I talk about it. Well, I think, I you know, know what, that, to, to, as you're talking, you know, let me just, and for, you know, I think you do in some ways. I think symbolically you do in a lot of ways. I mean, look at your music, you being a speaker and a role model for all of these people out there, especially teens that are going through similar dynamics and issues you did through your book. You know, I, I think you yeah. do. I think symbolically it does come out. Maybe not, maybe not in the way that you experienced it, but I think other yeah. people do experience it. Well, I hope so, you know, because after that day, I remember waking up the next day and my first thought was, I wasn't supposed to wake up today. I hate waking up, and now I'm awake because God rescued me yesterday. Why? <laughs> and 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 what what? Why is my life important? Like why did I? Why do I even matter? And I just felt God's love for me again. And and when I went to school that day, I remember sitting in the cafeteria, looking around at all these people I had hated the day before, and recognizing that this was if that if there's a God. And he created this world, and I just walked to school that day. I walked from my house, like, I think it was like, I don't know, it was like uh, a couple miles or whatever. Walked to school on the way. I'm, like, marveling at the fact there's a God who made this place. Like, before it was an accident, and now it's intentional. It's like an Mm -hmm. intentional love story, like a love letter, and I'm like, amazed like I'm because I love bands you know I love artists I, if I you know I if I liked a band I would like look at all their artwork I would look at all their lyrics I would look at and see what I can find out about the artist and so right. I'm thinking about this as I'm looking at trees and hearing the birds sing and and on my way there and I'm just blown away at this idea that there's a god and he is intentional and he created this place and there's beauty to see, which I never saw before. I didn't see it. It felt right. like it was mockery before. And so mm-hmm. then I'm sitting, I get to school, sit in the cafeteria, look around at all these people I hated the day before and realize that God made them. That mm-hmm. that's, his, that's his highest artwork is them. And all of a sudden I'm just broken by this feeling of overwhelming love for people that I never had before. And so each person I have this desire to know them, <laughs> to just marvel right, and, right. and honor them, mm-hmm. to honor them as a creation of God. Like, you're a marvelous creature. <laughs> like, what do you like? Like, something about you says something about about the God who created the universe and the stars and everything and you. You know, like, what right. What do you right. like? And, 
And so from then on, it put this love in me for others. And this. And so when you said just now, you're saying you think that in a way that I can that I do that through music. That's actually that's actually such a such an amazing um, statement for me to hear because I because I I don't if I didn't get if I didn't have that encounter I wouldn't be here and if I can do something else with my life <laughs> right <laughs> right well I think like you said I think that that opens you up to a totally new perspective as you see yeah. and it and it really gave you a different meaning in your life and a different purpose and, and starting to find yourself, like you said, like, why am I here? What was I put here for? And I'm God's creation. But as we're doing yeah. this, we'll definitely come. I definitely want you to incorporate more of this because I know this is, you know, a huge component of, of who you are and your message. But I want to be able to fit yeah. in at least two songs tonight. Um, so yeah. let's do this. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about Rot because I know that is the one that you have the video out for right now. It's a, it's a phenomenal song. And, um, yeah, incorporate a little bit. I was reading about it on your website, you know, that it relates to this international labor organization, you know, focusing on, you know, unfortunately, forced sexual exploitation and how you're mm-hmm. also a partner with some of these different programs and companies. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got involved in that and the um, just and the concept of the song. And then we'll check it out. Well, I was, well, I was going on a, on a tour a speaking tour talking about what I just told you um, before I wrote my book. I was uh, doing this tour while uh, telling my story, and we did a sh- we did a, a I guess an event um, in New York City at a college there, and they had different speakers, and one of them was uh, a girl who had been who had been miraculously rescued from from sex slavery and she okay. was just a college student who who went out uh and met this guy who was really nice this older man and um and they began a relationship just as friends and one day he just took her to an alley and beat her and shot her up with heroin and, oh my gosh and she and ex- immediately began exploiting her and uh and so she ended up getting out after like several years being in there and she's telling her story to all these college students in New York City, um, where she actually went to college. And she's just telling them to be aware and to be wise. And and the whole time, I'm like, oh my god, this is happening every day, all the time. Like, right. and from then yes. on, I I had a really hard time sleeping. Like, I couldn't sleep. I will. I couldn't sleep at night. I just kept. I would stay up all night praying for these girls and these people. And there's not just girls. I I read a story about a a, a young man who was. The similar similar thing happened when he was a child, and um, okay. just go just went on and on like this, and so I couldn't sleep. Like when you get something stuck in your mind, mm-hmm. sometimes I know the reason why is because you're called to 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 say something or do something or what can you do? Don't if it doesn't leave you alone, how can you help? And so I was thankful to meet Annie Lobert, who is a part of. She's an ex prostitute. She wrote this book called fallen about her experience where she was a prostitute in Las Vegas and she ended up getting trafficked and um okay. and she has she has an organization that helps girls get on get out of the lifestyle and it's a 12 month program in Las Vegas called the Destiny House and 
and they help you get on your feet, get off drugs, and find you know, your skills and get a regular job. Mm-hmm. And so she was actually in the video. She's actually one of the street teamers, passing out flyers, you know, in the video. And um, and she's one of the people that uh, that we we posted to help if you want to help give money to the Destiny House or whatever. Can. Okay. Um, but the thing is, you know, I, I'm not really part. Like you said, I was partnering with them. I mean, I just know about them, and I've okay. you know supported okay. them some. But, but just to give you to give people who do have that similar burden a chance, you know, because I think that some things stick with us for one reason or another. And if mm-hmm. this is something that sticks with you, then this is how you can actually help know that you can make a difference at all, you know. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think, right, I think that definitely has a lot of relevance. And people, again, can go to your website, go to LaceyStorm.com, and you can, again, look at some of the affiliations and things on our website if people are interested in getting involved. But um, let's do this, Lacey. I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to we're going to check out Raw, and then we'll come back and do some more of the interview, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Hold on. Thank you. All right, everyone, Lacey Sturham and uh, her new album that we know is out now titled Life Screams. Phenomenal album. Check it out. Pick up a copy if you haven't already. We're going to check out her hit single, Rot. Again, check out the video, too. It is streaming on YouTube and all over the Internet. And, again, it's for, like she said, a really good cause, and there are several organizations that people can participate and get involved in to help these unfortunate people that are pulled into um, this industry. All right, check it out. Here we go, Rot, and we'll be back in a moment. I can't hold my head up in this dark room anymore I need a lightning bolt to raise me from this grave Here comes fresh fire, fresh fire, fresh Surrounded by the light oh, oh, oh. 
everyone. Welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Lacey Sturham and her hit single, Rot, that is currently out now. Be sure to check out her album, Life Screams, which is also available for you to purchase. So let's bring her back on. All right, Lacey, awesome, awesome song. Great stuff. I mean, the whole album is just top-notch. Phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I had a lot of fun writing it. What's that? I had a lot of fun writing it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start to move forward because I believe I could I could do an interview with you for probably hours, but I know you have things to do and you got your family, et cetera. <laughs> so let's start to push forward a little bit and you know just tie in a little bit about. I mean, you were with you know Swiley for what about a decade? I mean, you guys had mm-hmm. some some major success and there were some you know changes going on in your life and and you needing to make some some challenging decisions and and one thing was this um were you actually married when you were 19 yes was that now was that when you were in flyleaf that was before yeah it was okay it was like the same i mean i was married um i guess we were engaged um when i moved to temple and uh, that's where I met the guys from Flyleaf. We our band was called Passerby at the time. Right, um, right. My my, yeah, my ex-husband was in a band at the time too, a local band there. He was in the music scene, the rock music scene. That's how I ended up going there. Okay, so. okay. And it was was it? A, I mean, was it short-lived in terms of the marriage? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we were young, obviously. I mean, I, I don't like saying that because um, I think there's a lot of great, healthy marriages that start right. at 19. <laughs> right, but, sure. Um, but for us, but for us, uh, there was a lot of things I think we didn't know about what it meant to be, you know, what it what it took to actually commit and be in a covenant relationship, and what if, right. what kind of things would hit you. And how you would how to withstand those things. Um, sure. And so on, on both of our our ends, there was a lack of faithfulness, I think, in our heart. Like for me, definitely in my emotional life. And I read about this in the mystery. This is what I read about. I wrote about. Okay. And just just um, not knowing what emotional purity looks like I don't even know if that's a thing I mean I just think I just made it up but it's kind of like you know emotionally you know you can you can give your heart away and um, and even though there might not be a physical affair there's definitely an emotional way you can do that um, just definitely. to be unfaithful and I felt like I was falling in in that into that in that relationship my first my first marriage I felt really lonely and uh, unheard and okay. clean, sort of. And um, and then I found, you know, of course, there's somebody who who's going to give you attention, you know. And I sure. kind of mm-hmm. started having feelings in that way. And he also, you know, he was in a band, always traveling. And and even though he might not have been emotionally, I don't know about his emotional side, but he was committed in his head. Um, right. When the temptation came up physically, he he. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't faithfully off. either. He wasn't right. faithfully either. So in the end, we both like, it, it, it just fell apart. And, um, and I, and I don't fault, I don't, I don't think either one of us is less at fault necessarily. I just think it was just, it, it was just, we didn't, we didn't have the right understanding what we needed to be committed at the time. I sure did. Sure. 
Um, yeah, and I think, like yeah. you said, also you're in, you're getting into your, you know, what becomes your career at the time. So pull in as you're talking about, and like you said, I mean, all this stuff ties together. You know, you're with Flyleaf mm-hmm. for a decade. You guys have, you know, major success. Um, and then it comes to the point, so we can start really just delving into talking a little bit about your album and, and putting that together and deciding it's it's time for you to put out some new music. You know, what were some of the challenges, things that were coming up where you had to make this, you know, really tough decision about, you know, continuing to stay with a major touring band or moving on? Yeah. And, um, and, and also pull in how you met your husband, Josh. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I actually never thought that I, I didn't, I, I just didn't think you could make money doing music because <laughs> my mom mm-hmm. never really seemed, I just felt like it. It, it, it seemed like an impossible thing to do that, but I also felt like, like from the time that I had that encounter with God, I I felt like my life was I needed to use it the best way I could, and if and whatever that looked like, whether it was playing guitar and singing or watching kids or waiting tables, which I love to do. I love to wait tables. I love to watch kids. Um, I had a home daycare at the time when I, we started full, touring full time. And had to wow. close my daycare. Okay. Um, I love I love kids and I love teaching them. Um, but um, when the door started opening for the music, I just realized that's that's where uh, I should be. And so um, I started following that to see what adventure would take, where it would go. And the door kept opening, and we were really, you know, we we're just fortunate that whole journey was just felt very miraculous and just the favor that we had and the, you know, how the doors opened up and it was crazy. And the record label coming to our show and, and, you know, we played a South by Southwest show in in Austin and there's all kinds of record label people there, but so many more bands and to have, you know, there's a guy named Gabriel Colbert in our hometown who was just like this popular guy who knew everybody because he was so friendly and, Uh um, he knew all the club members, and, and he knew some of the record people, so he invited a, a music lawyer to our show named Monica Tashman, and um, he invited some other people, and they dug us, and they said, we want to bring you to New York and do a showcase, and, and awesome. uh, they did that. It was crazy. That's just, yeah, I mean, just wow. Just so surreal, but again, you guys are... You're a phenomenal talent, too. So it wasn't just like something was, you know, handed in a way. I mean, you guys worked really, really hard. Um, I don't know. If you listen to those first demos, you might say <laughs> you might say differently. I'll have to listen sometime. Okay. I'll have to check that out. But anyway, but as you know, everyone you develops over you time. Have, no one has to. <laughs> but no, forget about those demos. I like to see how people develop and, and yeah. you know, hone their craft with whatever it is. I think that's interesting. I mean, some people might look at that <laughs> as like, oh, gosh, those people were not good at all. But, no, I think <laughs> I like seeing that's something you, yeah. <laughs> you're really – Yeah, develop. I love that. It's something – yeah, but that's something I think that really shows – I just love people who are resilient. I love people and you put everything into it. And, and that shows who you are as a person. That means, like, just – so much to me. There's a poem on Yeah. Um, yeah, so I agree. a little bit. The 2000. How did you meet your husband, Josh? Well, Josh was in a band uh, at the time called Kairos. Okay. And um, 
Kairos is a local Pittsburgh band, and they had been touring a little here and there up in the Northeast, and we played a show with them, um, and my guitar player, Samir, became friends with Josh, because Josh was a guitar player, and they hit it off talking about guitar, and, um, but Josh, honestly, Josh really wasn't a big Flyleaf fan, um, he didn't like female-fronted rock bands. <laughs> oh, no. Wow, okay. But he liked our guitar player, so they became friends. And um, and so they ended up showing up another time. I never met Josh that time. And then they ended up showing up later. And um, and I we still didn't talk. And, and then it didn't happen until very couple of years after him and Samir were friends that we actually met through him coming to a show after his band had broken up. And um, okay. he was just hanging out. Watching the sh- uh, watching the show with a friend who, like I said, he wasn't a Flyley fan, but he his friend was, and she wanted to see the show. So um, we talked about like I noticed his tattoos, and I was like, "What does a tattoo mean?" And he started telling me a story, and it was really interesting. And then we started talking about Pantera, and then we were like, "Well, you know, we have a lot in common." <laughs> so we ended up hitting it off. Cool, very, very cool. So you meet him, and then you know you, know, you get really first son, Josh, and that's when you decide to take some time, was that right, from fleet to, to figure out, you know, what you're going to just make the to the band, and then the decision that family was what was important to that time. Yes. Um, so whenever I found out I was pregnant, well, actually, when I got married, um, was in September 06, I mean 08, September 6, 08. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I was ready to be, to be done with Flyleaf. I was ready to walk away from that because I knew that when I got married, I was really wanting to just make my life about starting a new life with, with my husband. And mm-hmm. I can understand, like, I thought it might be intimidating for him in some ways about all that. And he, or maybe he maybe he had other dreams, like maybe he wanted to start a band or maybe, you know, and I just wanted to be there for whatever he wanted to do. And he looked at me and he's like, you know, I think Flyleaf is, has got a really amazing thing that it does, you know, in this, for a generation. Right. I think you should keep doing it and I'm going to support you doing it. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll do it. And okay. so... Um, because of his encouragement really was the only reason I kept doing Flyleaf um, after wow. we got married. And, and we did How have Mental Mori after that. Just while you're talking about that real quick, and then we're going to really, you know, fast forward, of course, to your album. Um, was it challenging for you? Was your heart, I don't want to say not totally in it, but, you know, here, you like you said, you have this supportive husband who says you got this great thing going, you should keep doing this. And, it sounds like you were kind of on the fence because you were ready to, like you said, just kind of move on with your life with him. Yeah. So was it challenging at times to, I mean, you guys are, mm-hmm. you know, traveling full force in this band. This isn't like you're doing a, a random show yeah. here and there. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was. yeah just pulling a little bit of that. Yeah. Was I actually it? talk about that too in the mystery, the second book. Okay. Um, and I wrote, I, and I just wrote about some of those challenges and, um, 
how it is, it, you know, if you don't have other people involved in this big business that care about your spiritual, emotional, and relational health, then um, it's so easy to just get sucked in and forget about those things and find yourself really unhealthy in those areas. And that's right. how it was for, and that's how it was for me. Um, and I think for a lot of the guys in the band, I don't know, I can't speak for them exactly, but I know that that um, we were struggling, you know, in our, in our relationships with each other. It felt like um, we were sort of living our own lives, and but at the same time, we had to get on stage every night and mm-hmm. rock out together and live in this little bus, and some of us had opposite schedules, and we were such a tight family, you know, for a long time, and I think for me, too, they probably they probably saw me as really controlling and um, they probably saw me as, you know, overzealous in some ways. And and because my motivation for doing it was, comp- I think, a lot different from theirs. I, I always felt the weight of having, like, people's lives on the line almost. It was a very serious thing to me to, to, uh, to see that there might be a kid thinking about suicide tonight. Right. And, um, and I want to make sure that I'm in the right place to speak to them. And, right. and, um, and so that takes a lot of nourishing your soul. And so mm-hmm. I think that, I think they're like, what's the big deal? We're just playing a rock show. Come on. It was definitely at a higher level for you. Right. Well, for yeah. So, and it was good to know that, um, like later on, I realized, <laughs> I, I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I just I couldn't expect them to carry the same kind of thing that I was. So um right. I let you know and I and I'm so thankful to realize that. And so um so so that was really and um but 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 I don't think that until after the Memento Mori album that um Josh felt the weight of having a spiritual kind of deficit and emotional relational deficit that because of the tour schedule and because of the isolation that happened on the road, mm-hmm. I don't think we realized that we need something different. And so he understood where I was coming from uh, for the first time, I think, and he was willing to let me take time off. Like, he's like, you know, I get what you're saying. And I feel like you do need this time. And um, especially when we got pregnant, he was like, so I think mm-hmm. you should take the time. And so, um, so I was thankful to hear that, to be supportive because it was a really hard decision. Because I don't want to sure. let anybody down, but at the same time, I had to do what's best for our family and what's best for my own heart. So it was good. Definitely. So and and again, you, like you said, you left amicably. I mean, it was you know you, you were you were great to them in terms of letting them know that you know if they wanted to get a new singer that you were supportive and you know you gave them your blessing. And I I think that is just that's so professional for anyone to do something like that. Um, so let's. Let's start tying in. So, you know, you took some time off. Like you said, you wrote your book, um, The Reason, and then you decided when does, you know, when does kind of the bug, not that you weren't writing, like you said, you're always, you're always doing something creative. So, but when did you get to that point where you're like, you know what, I'm ready to not just release a single, I'm going to release an album. Um, and so you work with Josh, you work with uh, Corey Cooper from Skillet, you have uh, David mm-hmm. Hodges from Evanescence coming in to do some great songwriting with you guys. So, you know, when mm-hmm. was that moment that you said, this is, now I'm ready. I'm ready to, to kind of do this. 
Well, like I said, I had been on a speaking tour uh, telling my story, and I had a, I had my second son had just been born. I think he was only a month old, and uh, we really oh. knew we were supposed to be going out on that tour, and um, and so I was like, I don't know how to do this the right way, but it was so easy and it was I got more time with my family I didn't have any meals to fix or a house to clean I actually got more time with them and so it was um I realized me and my husband both realized hey you know what I think if we just keep our priorities what they need to be then Mm -hmm. I think we can actually tour and if we can tour then maybe we can put a record out and um and so I was um of course I'd always had I mean been listening to the radio and was just had this burden for the music that was being put out like I totally understand how people put uh, songs out and entertainment out that really wants to identify with the struggle and the pain and the hopelessness and and not wanting to live anymore like I've I've heard so many songs about that Um, but I recognize too for myself when I was younger those songs actually without some kind of answer and I know Mm -hmm. there's times for that and I'm not saying that you know, I just know that if there's no answer, like it sort of, for me, it fueled that, that depression and fueled that suicidal tendency in me. And um, I love that about rock music because it's honest and nobody was ever honest. It felt like about those things anywhere else, the way that rock music was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I loved that about it. But at the same time, like I said, I think it fueled the depression. So my heart with music is to always, um, be honest, but always try intentionally to leave them in a place of hope and uplifting, you know, um, getting out of the tunnel. You know, there's a light there at the end. And and so I'm very intentional about that. And I know that, you know, that's just my particular style, um, the way I do it. But when I would listen to the radio, I would just, <laughs> or, and there was, I was watching Katy Perry documentary uh, one time, and I just, just watching her journey and and just seeing the girl sing her lyrics and knowing her just just watching that machine just feel like you know her marriage is falling apart and she has to go on stage and saying like mm-hmm. and it's had I just had this weight there's two it was twofold it was one for the for the fans um that are hearing a, a message that's just leading them to emptiness and then there's one for the artist to know that we actually do have freedom to make choices that are good for our emotional health and it's okay to do that, you know? And, and so there's, it's, there's two sides to it, you know, I want to, and so if it, so in my mind, I thought if I can do that as a prototype of saying, can you go out and do this and still make good choices for your family and for your mm-hmm. heart, um, then let's try it. If it doesn't work, at least I know that we held our priorities in the right order and if it does work then maybe it'll help other people to know they're free to do that too definitely yeah I thought I thought that was and that was something interesting real quick that I was reading was right when you were on this book tour you kind of started to kind of get this light a little bit in your head like huh you know like maybe this can be possible I'll just have to like you said do it a different way um and I think you know I think fortunately Lacey because of just you know again the fan base you've built you've built up and just you know the the momentum you had from Flyleaf, it, it gives you a little bit of a lead too, so that you can then do things yes. 
how you see fit, yeah. which I think is great. I think that is great. Um, so with this album, you know, tell us a little bit about, I mean, you got some great people working with you. I, I don't want to leave anyone out. I know we got, you know, Ben Hall is bass player and, and Tom Gaskin mm-hmm. is on drums. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's, please, you know, plug them and just mention maybe some interesting yeah. fact or tidbit about them. <laughs> well, they were in a band uh, together down the street from where we lived when we started an artist community. Um, we're in Pittsburgh when I left Flyleaf. My husband had this idea for a long time to start something called the Music and Art Alliance of Pittsburgh, and he wanted, and so I made food, and he had people over, and we talked about what was going on in the scene, and wanted to encourage people and their art, and cool. let people know so we could go to each other's shows and whatever. And so we met once a week, and um, it grew, and it was just sort of like it was supposed to be sort of small, and it got bigger, and and that's how I met Ben. Um, and eventually Tom. Um, and separately at different times, they both felt like it was time for them to move on from that band. Um, mm-hmm. And we weren't actually doing music um, when they left, but we were. We would have jam sessions, you know, or we'd just hang out and play together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just amazing. Like those two guys just read each other's minds and, they just write a song. If they have their instruments in front of them, they will write a song on the spot every time. Wow, um, that's awesome. And and so it was just a lot of fun hanging out with them, and I like doing that too. And my husband's a lead guitar player, so he likes playing over that. And I like just right. coming up with lyrics on the spot and melodies, and it's just so fun. We actually do that every night when we play shows on our headline run. If we have that's time, cool. we'll always do a an improv song, and we'll just make one up for the wherever for the audience. That's um, awesome. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm cool. sure there's a lot of weird ones out there. <laughs> sometimes they're awesome, really though. weird, and sometimes they're great. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, but that's how I met those guys. And Ben was actually he's a metallurgist, so he's a scientist, and he had a great job at Alcoa here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's a steady paying job, you know, like secure. And uh, he quit his job to come out on the road. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm really thankful for his faith. And then Tom as well. He was a manager of a Starbucks and really successful okay. in that. He has a wife and a little baby just born. Um, and um, and he quit his job to come out with us. And wow. He's well, again, had a lot of that says a lot about that. what you what we were talking about early on. Just to kind of again tie the theme together with just you as a person and being here for a reason and that, that symbolism of, of giving back and the hope and the inspiration. And so yeah. that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, with this album, I liked, you know, I like to pull some interesting things into, you know, what made you um, decide to use this concept of a crow, you know, and then the picture mm-hmm. of you between it. And that's kind of like this, you know, this symbol that you see, you know, branding wise, you know, tell us a little bit about just mm-hmm. the meaning of that. Well, uh, the raven is symbolic for a few reasons. There's a couple biblical things, like the story of um, the raven is actually, people don't know this, but it was actually the first animal that Noah sent out from the ark to go see if there was any dry land. And then later he used the dove, but the first one was a raven. And um, and the other thing is that they, so in a sense, it searches for, it searches for the storm to be over. It searches for hope. Um searches for the season to change it's like um in that way but um but also 
um, there's a story about a prophet who is running sort of in the wilderness, and the ravens come and feed him. They bring meat and they bring they bring food to him in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and um, and that stuck with me a lot because I think that people who have a tendency of like a kind of a prophetic personality. They're sort of outcasted, both in religious circles and in the world. Um, and because <laughs> my son's in the background, he's saying hi to somebody. Um, <laughs> but when you, but when you, but when, but when you're one of those kind of people who feel like you see things before they happen, or you kind of see mm-hmm. below the surface, or you kind of uh, feel like you have this cause for justice in your heart and you can't get it out. Like those kind of people seem like everybody's always telling them to calm down or quit being weird or, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, I know I can, um, I can relate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I just feel like, I feel like what we have in uh in, in what I have in me is meant to feed those people. And, um, because they get pushed out into the wilderness a lot of times. And I know that, I don't know. And so I just want to see, I just want to reach out to those ones. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, and and again, with the album too, are you currently just, do you have your own label, Lacey? Is it your own label right now that you no. are under? It's Well, we started a label with our management and uh, J.W. Clark is, um, he's really the, we call him Papa Dubs. Um, so he's like, the papa and um and we you know we invest in it as well and we help with all of the decisions and okay. you know and we are always looking for people that maybe we could help in the future as well and I think we will have artists that we help raise up you know after we get to um financially get more feet under us <laughs> um definitely but, uh, yeah so my husband and I and JW started it together and that's the Follow Spot Records? Yeah, it's Follow Spot Records. Okay. okay, okay. So, yeah, so just why don't we do this? I'm going to play, you know, I'll let you go in a minute because um, I don't want to keep you on forever. You know, just tell us a little bit about the songwriting process, and then I'm going to pick out one of my favorite songs uh, to play to close the show tonight, as well as after we talk about that, let's definitely promote any upcoming shows you have, um, as well as your book that's going to be coming out in October. So, yeah, in terms of the songwriting process, you know, how long did it take you guys to, I know you had a lot of songs to choose from, and I'm sure it was very challenging. Um, but overall, with the process, you know, tell us a little bit about the process and, and how long it took to put everything together. Well, um, you know, we've been writing songs since I left Flyleaf. My husband plays guitar, so we just write music right. sort of anyway. And, um, right. and I think when we went over the songs, um, with the guys in in the studio, um, and they helped write some songs. And um, I think for me, I'm always a big picture person, so I have to see how they're coming together, like what the message is. And I think the message um, of freedom was really big in my like to me, um, and the message of life teaching us all the time if we stop and pay attention to it mm-hmm. and so um so to find our to to acknowledge the freedom that we have and the choices that we have to 
to choose to honor our freedom or the freedom we have to choose things. Um, that's a big one. A lot of times we don't feel like we're free to choose. And the right. truth is we actually are. And I'm learning about that when I wrote The Mystery because I was reading all these codependency books. <laughs> trying to figure right, out how I right. ended up in these bad relationships that I wrote about in the book. Um, but, yeah, just honoring the freedom we have to choose things and that life is sort of leading us a lot of times in the right direction um, if we have the courage to choose our freedom, the the freedom to to do the right thing. Um, I don't think, you know, you can you can use your freedom to do the wrong thing um, and sure, to do sure. the destructive thing. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I did in my book. I talk about that, but I don't realize always. And so, um, so even in that process writing, um, I just saw sort of a theme emerge. And that's cool. So and so I I kept I kept up with that and the song choosing the songs. That's great. No, I mean the songs are great. I mean, some of my favorites are. Um, let me look at my notes here because I have so many different things on my screen that I'm trying to uh, pay attention to. But yeah, some of my favorites are "You're Not Alone" is awesome. Feels like forever. Great. Faith is a great track. I mean, again, personally, Lacey. I mean, the whole album is just every song could be a, a hit single on it. Um, it's And it's hard to really, I mean, again, you should really, you and Josh and all the people who contributed to the album, I mean, it's really hard to find an album where, you know, I mean, not that albums have fillers, but you know what I mean. Sometimes you have to yeah. put an extra song in here or there, and that's definitely not your album. <laughs> um, oh, so, you. yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's phenomenal. It really is. So tell us a little bit about any, again, just please plug any, upcoming shows you have? I know you have one coming mm. up sometime. Where is mm. it? The um, the refresh stage you're playing at on October 15th, I saw. And, you know, please plug any other shows mm. people can find you at. Well, you know, we have things pop up sometimes um, here and there. And the best way to find out about shows is just to go to LaceyStone.com. And mm-hmm. we have a newsletter as well. You can sign up for our newsletter. Um, there's some talk about I've been I've been working on a, a merchandise line for a little while. Um that's oh, based cool. off of it. It's called it's called a tattoo alternative and it's based off of um uh, tattoos of people that I respect and telling their stories. It actually has songs connected with it and it's kind of like a thing, uh this whole cool. like, kind of like soul growing um just what I wanna harness is these soul growing moments with people that I respect. And um, and write about those things. And if you know, we get tattoos because we feel like something shifted. You know, we want to remember. You mm-hmm. know, something happened. We definitely not everybody, but some people. <laughs> me, I do. Yeah, it's usually um, symbolic in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, if I want to get a symbol of something that means a lot to me, um, maybe I can just get a dog tag. Or, you know, <laughs> instead of a tattoo, right. like maybe I can. So it's a tattoo alternative is what we called it. Um, and that's it's based cool. off of, of that, yeah. So that's exciting. And, and we'll have information about that, you know, coming soon. But um, there's a lot of different things. Um, my next book comes out in October. I'm actually working on my third book right now. And um, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Do you sleep? I was like, <laughs> I know. That's There's awesome. times where I don't, and and it's and it's wow. crazy that I can function. It doesn't feel when I don't. It's really because I choose to stay up and 
and feed my soul is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And that's right. when you get your alone time and you actually figure out what works for you to grow, it, it doesn't feel like you're striving. Like it's, you know, when you right. fall in love and you're in like junior high, you'll stay up all night. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, find those moments. So, um, find those things in life. Do them. <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. So the mystery, right, that that's coming out called The Mystery Finding True Love in a Broken World of Lovers, and that's going to be released in October. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. where can people purchase that if they want to pre-order it? Um, you can you can pro- you can find out on our website, so mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to do that. You know, you can it, it, you can get it from Amazon or you can get it from your local bookstore. You can pre-order it there. We have nice. it's going to be available in major books all major bookstores, CBA outlets as well. Very cool. And what if through your website too? Let's say someone had some idea or concept that they wanted to pitch to you. Can can you do you have a contact thing through your website if someone wanted to, yes. you know, hearing your story and had some, you know, if someone wanted to get involved in some type of, yes. again, supportive action. Yeah, yeah. You can is go it, to the website. We have, we have man. Our manager's address is on there, and okay. there's also a place for for emails. So you can connect that way. We have a team that helps. I mean, um, like I said, our record label is just me and Josh and JW, but then we have a team that helps, like um, Sarah Patrick, which I talk about in the mystery. She's like, she was kind of, she's just a really great administrative lady, and she helps with um, posting things when I lose my phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Like so so and, um, if one of these so people, if something – if something caught their attention and thought you might be interested, would they forward that to you or get in touch with oh, you yeah. to say, hey, they would? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I have and, some and ideas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, please. Yeah. No, I, please I do think that. I, and you can just, really? can you just, just email JW please. directly. That would be great. Okay. And that's on the website? JW stuff's on the website? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I just JWC at Small Spot Records. Okay. It, what, I'm sorry, you said it was J-W? J W. J W C at Follow Spot Records. Oh, the Follow Spot. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to take up time on the air, but um, yeah, I think mm, as okay. I think, no pun intended, the book, the reason. I think things happen for a reason. I think things in your life and paths cross. You know, for like we've been yeah. talking about, just you know, unusual things. And I'd like to share a little bit about my background, and I think you would find it interesting. Um, yeah. so yeah, I definitely will reach out to, uh, JW. Um, so let's do this, Lacey. Um, let's start wrapping things up. One of my favorite songs that I wanted to play tonight. And I think, uh, it's, it captures the essence of your album because it's the title track, Life Screams. And, uh, you know, that's one that I just thoroughly enjoy and was really pulled in by. So tell us a little bit about that song and uh, why you chose it for the album title. Yeah, it's like I think it's like I was saying earlier about how you know life is always speaking to us, and we just if we can stop and be present and listen to mm-hmm. you know the things that life is teaching us all around us. There's lessons, but the ones that we've been learning over and over again, you know, like the things. How can we capture that moment and? step into revelation you know because I think I think that every everywhere you know around us there's messages that can help us grow in our soul if we just pay attention 
So that's kind of what that's about. Great. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing album. It's a great track. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on, Lacey, and, and taking time out of, you know, your family and your schedule and everything else that you're, you know, working on to come on the show. It's, it's really been an honor, and I'm really pleased that you were able to do this interview. Yeah, well, thank you. I had a great conversation with you. Appreciate your great questions. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, just if you want to tie it up, you can um, plug where people can find you, which is kind of rhetorical, but we can still do that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll let you guys, uh, I'll let you get going. Okay. Yeah, it's just LaceyStorm.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and uh, and you can find out what we're doing by signing up on our newsletter. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Lacey, for coming on. I wish you much success with the album, the upcoming book that you have coming out, and uh, all these other endeavors. The tattoo uh, project with the clothing line. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's great. Thank you. Okay, thank and you so you much, too. Lacey. Okay. Bye. Have a great night. Take care. Bye. 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 All right, everyone. Awesome interview. Lacey Sturham from formerly of Flyleaf, and we are going to check out her other song that is one of my favorites, Life Screams Off the Album. If for some reason you tuned in late tonight, you can check out the podcast. Once the show is over, it will be available to download. So it's for free. You can stream it off of iTunes or you can stream it off of my site. So let's check out Life Screams, and then uh, I'll tie the show up and we'll be back. Thank you so much, everyone, for the support. It was a great interview with her, and I hope everyone gets a chance to listen to it. She really shared some interesting, deep uh, stuff in her life that you probably won't hear elsewhere. So here we go, Life Screams from Lacey Sturm. Grand speeches pour out with the rain On streets where no one's listening And you curse the cold Oh. 
All right, everyone, again, thanks so much for tuning in to the Carrie Edelman Show. Lacey Sturm of Flyleaf. Check out her album, Life Screams, and uh, an amazing interview with her. I hope everyone gets a chance to listen to her story. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at Carrie Edelman on Twitter, and I will follow you back. You can also be from me on Facebook. I have two personal pages. And please follow the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, where you can get all the updates for upcoming shows and more. Thank you again, everyone, for the continued support. And uh, check out over 200 interviews with musicians, comedians, filmmakers, and more. And I'll take you on an interesting, in-depth, unique interview with each artist and guest I have on my show. Thank you so much. Have a great night.